we've talked in the past about we did the, the DM special episodes about you know our favorites and our least favorites. We talked about all the things that have gone well. Oh, my favorite time this ever happened was this. My favorite uh, instance of of uh, campaign instance that I've witnessed in my own personal life was this. Mm-hmm. I really like this kind of encounter, this kind of monster. This we don't talk about our own failures as <laughs> DMs mm-hmm. ever. And I figure you know we're like a bunch of episodes in now. Is there a thing that you guys really look back on and go, shit, that was the thing I screwed up on? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there, there's and a lot. Just yeah. from, from DM point, Dan, not, not no, no, no. just as a person. You do this for as long as I've been doing it, you make mistakes in any gamut that this thing covers. So, yeah, no, I've, I've definitely made a few. You have one? You go. i got to think about it for a second. Um, so that sounded really arrogant. <laughs> no, I just meant like, I want to think, I think of, of a good so, one, yeah. not just yeah. There was that one time I got a stat wrong. You know, that's not interesting. <laughs> uh, so for a uh, the one thing I've done wrong as a uh, player, a facilitator of a game is I made a. I think I mentioned this in like the party politics episode once. I made a uh, personal conflict at the table worse. Instead of making it better, with every intention to try to make it better, but I just exponentially made it worse and blew it up. Yeah, okay. But in terms of... Like DMing. But like in terms of DMing, um, game I had a uh, four-session arc in one campaign that I was doing um, that involved a lot of like mind flayers and all these other little... like uh, I, There was Gith Yankee and Gith involved and all these other things. And then at the end of the... Um, story arc uh, the entire party woke up in a cabin and anything that they had gained uh, was lost oh. and Uh-oh. anything else like that so there was a month worth including of sessions experience. including experience there was a month worth of sessions that were so you guys wake up in a cabin because I ran out of ideas and I had no idea how to finish the story yeah, yeah. that's wrong yeah yeah I did the whole you wake up it was all a dream don't ever do that unless you got like an out plan and there's still some sort of reward to your players because what it, it compl- I, I don't think I ran another session in that campaign that blew up that campaign. So yeah, I, I pulled a, I pulled you guys were in the dreamscape the whole time with the undead pirate ship, mm. and when I'm like, oh, and you wake up and you're tied to the thing, and the whole thing was this like you were there, mm-hmm. but you also only brought magic items back. All the mundane stuff is gone, and you know a lot of it's open to interpretation. And there were a couple of players at the table that went. Oh, all right. Mm. So yeah. it's 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 always bad to do that. You wake up. I would I would start off and say, look, guys, we're gonna do a dream sequence first, and it's gonna be like metaphors and prophecies. Sure, fine. Yeah, but hitting that the open yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think it's it's never as uh, exciting as you think it's gonna be afterwards. Yeah. It's never like a big reveal, like ooh, yeah, original. Well, speaking of big reveals, my biggest thing that I've screwed up. Um, was and you guys were both there for this. I had a uh, I had a couple of players that were leaving, and I was bridging the gap between two new players mm-hmm. and two players that were leaving and two players that were gonna stay, and uh, and I railroaded that end scene. I had so many points to hit. We just run out of time because they were moving away to another country, and I had so many points that I railroaded that final session. So badly that I literally froze all of the characters and took away 100% of their agency and yeah. ran a freaking cutscene for 40 minutes where the only people that could move were the people that were leaving. But no matter what they did, they were doomed anyway. Yeah. Right? And it was like I big my, cliffhanger. Like My biggest bone to pick about that entire experience was nothing that you did. It was what the person to my left did. Right before you took away all of our agency. I can't remember where I was sitting. Right. No, no. It was you. <laughs> oh, it was. Yeah, you're to my left now. Oh. Um, we Right before we entered that last room, we fought a dragon. And my character is so hell-bent on fighting dragons and dragon kind. He has a sword that absorbs dragon souls and uses them as breath weapons as long as I get the killing blow. Mm. And here comes the champion fighter who crits on uh, 19s and has 15 attacks in a round. <laughs> and he comes over and he just decimates this dragon after I just drop a massive bomb of smites and stuff on it. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it completely, like, the one thing, it was the first dragon I think we'd ever played against in that campaign. Uh, it was just... Everything I was looking forward to, I was so excited. Finally, I get to absorb a dragon soul, and here comes Titus. Well, 
and stole my thunder. <laughs> and you're totally unapologetic about it to this well, day. What can I say? Oh, I'm sorry. I'll change my life to make you happy. Yes, Terry. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> Write this down. Don't choose magic items that rely on other people to do certain things. It wasn't. It was relying on me doing certain things. Well, do Terry, do you have a time that you've ever screwed up? Oh, I brought out the deck of many things. Uh, <laughs> Terry wins. Terry wins. Assuming that the other players at the table would use it responsibly as I might. And then when the one player was like, I found the deck. I was like, oh, you're one of those. Good. Yeah. 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 And that- it's, a, it's an exciting item, right? There's lots of different things. It's like, oh my God, because it's like half good, half bad. We can do all this different stuff. It can create like little side quests, and, you know, and, but you know, obviously you've got to use it responsibly and choose when you use it. And just other people don't think like us. We should, uh, we should do an episode on deck of many things. Should. Oh, we really and should. And adjusting yeah. it and changing cards and not being overpowered and all yeah. that sort of how, stuff. How to build a campaign around it. Mm-hmm. What to do when it goes horribly, horribly wrong. Well, Because mm-hmm. there are like five cards in it that are just like, and the campaign's done. Like, yeah. you, you've either wished your way through it, yeah. or everyone's dead, or, or something, right? Well, like, you also don't like wishes just by nature. Mm-hmm. I don't like wishes, but there's a time and a place to use them. I've got some. Okay, look, yeah. we'll do a future episode. I, I could <laughs> wax poetic about. I this. like the idea of the deck of many things being almost like the the Jumanji board game. Like you can hear the jungle drums. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Or something. yeah, that's, that's cool. cool. Very like, I, I, it's one of those iconic magic items that you just you see in every single game. Another iconic thing you see in every single game is what we're talking about today, gentlemen, and that is the first of our kind of monster specials. We're looking at the good old-fashioned, the orcs. So after we listen to the intro music, we'll really get into this. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast. I am Dan. Across the table from me is Adam. Hello. And to my left, as earlier mentioned, is Terry. Hello. Uh, so yeah, as I said, we're, we're going through our first of our monster, first of our mob monster mentalities. Um, these are going to be uh, a series of uh, episodes that are, Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, they're, they're a um, overview, a survey of the more iconic um, horde monsters that we're going to be that you see on the table. Like, yeah, we, we said we sat down to go over you know which monsters we're going to take a look at first because let's be honest, everybody wants to talk about the monsters. Right? Oh yeah, there's mm-hmm. an entire book or six you know dedicated yeah. just mm-hmm. to monsters. There's one for players, one for DMs, and, and then one for monsters, and then right? and then six for monsters. Yeah, um, but but the thing about a lot of the monsters is you don't get to see a beholder or an ancient dragon or a lich because most campaigns don't get past about eighth level. So who do you see? You see orcs, goblins, skeletons, zombies, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And or maybe they've got a little bit of a little bit of a twist to them. You got a knoll or a bullywug or a kobold. Let's hit these things that move in packs. Yep. Where your level two encounter is just six of these level one half. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about this one actually. The, the, so, the mobs, the hordes, and how yeah, to make them more interesting. And they yeah. all they're all so different from each other too. Like there is so much flavor. To each one of them. Oh, yeah. And when you get into them, like, you can tell when you flip open the book that, uh, you know, an orc gets four pages, but an ooze gets a half a page. Yeah. Right? Like, they're all, like, they're all so much more interesting because they come with societies and civilizations. Half of them are players, are player races, too, because of Volos, which we'll touch in future episodes as well. But, so, I don't know. I just thought this would be a really good way for people... Especially new DMs oh, and yeah. new players yeah. who haven't seen these things before. Well, and, and the thing about orcs specifically, because that's what we're going to hit first, is they're such that iconic. Like anyone who uh, is really testing the waters of this hobby for the first time, they want to fight an orc and a dragon. Those are like the two things that yeah, always the, come they're up. They're coming every time. from Tolkien, right? Right. So. They're coming from Tolkien, so they want to they want to see what those are like. So I want to cover orcs, and and we'll go for it. So before we do that. You mentioned that they got a culture and a society all of their own. So let's go over that real quick. Um, orcs in base Forgotten Realms 5e base Dungeons and Dragons as it sits right now are a creation of the god Groomsh. Uh, that is with uh, two U's and no vowels at the end. It's it's hard to pronounce, but he's old one eye himself, the god, the overview god of all orcs. 
Um, he he's your one-eyed monster. He's your one-eyed monster. <laughs> yeah, I just did a laugh. Yeah, no, but, I no, that. I wasn't just telling the world that I just laughed. Obviously, you heard that. I meant I did a silent laugh to myself. <laughs> but I didn't want to touch the joke, and you did. <laughs> I will touch the one-eyed monster all day. Let me tell you. You do, and we know. Uh, so oh the. Orcs were created uh, specifically against, uh, specifically to counter up trying to do a thing. All right, yes, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. And that is the sound of the podcast crashing to a halt. To uh, back on the orcs, board. orc culture, and orcs were created as a uh, um, force to fight against uh, all of these slights that Groomsh felt he had against the other gods. Um, when th- there's a history in the back that when, or, and you can find this in Volos, when the gods were kind of picking their areas, they were like, okay, so dwarves, who do you want? They're like, we want the mountains and elves. Who do you want? Well, we get the forests. The orc God went, uh, what do I get? Nothing, nothing. Well, screw you no, no, guys. It wasn't even that. It's, he just showed up late to the party. Yeah. He was the last one chosen on the team. Right. So he showed up and he's just like, oh, okay, I'll take the mountains. Like not tough it's oh uh, i'll take the forest nope you can't planes not taken man and he just went one after another one you know what fine fine and then he just like lost his mind yeah right? yeah and, and and he created orcs to fight in the mountains and fight in the uh forests against the elves and fight in the plains against man and went through all of this and that's where you get your iconic orcs they are a roving tribesmen analog to a sense they have a very religious based culture um very uh superstitious superstitious. i almost want to say like there's a lot of native american or uh, african tribalism uh feel to orcs um at least culture wise um they are the go-to when you have a um you know big bad who needs a medium level medium sized foot soldier they're the go to like you either have orcs or you have hobgoblins or you have uh gnolls right so um they despise and have deep ancestral hatred for anything dwarf human or elf specifically elves if there is a choice because uh the elf god Corlon uh, Larethian I think is what his name is yeah um is the one who made Groomsh Two eye into Grimsh one eye. Um, and shot him in the face. With shot an him arrow. in the face with an arrow. Really? Yeah, and that's how Grimsh lost his eye. Huh. So there's a lot of hatred there. So, gentlemen, we know a very brief history about the orcs. We know why they're around. I got a question. Why do you use orcs in your campaign? Let's grab our dice. Let's roll for an issue. Let's go. Oh, I used a little one and it bounced right out. Too many dice. Still did pretty good. You still won. I got three. No, no, Dan got a 15. Oh, I look like a five yeah, to me. I ended yeah, so uh, as is with history in this uh, podcast, Terry goes last. Yep. Yeah. And Track them stats. He who DMs goes, goes first. first. Yeah. So um, I, I use orcs in every single one of my campaigns, not just because half orcs are my favorite race, although pretty much because half orcs are my favorite race. Uh, oh. uh, orcs are, they're just that go-to. Like I, I feel this comfort with them as kind of the big bad foot soldier um they are they've got a ton of flavor in them themselves that you could really exploit with their with their kind of out of uh uncivilized tribalism and one not of their own um they play a lot like the orcs you see in like world of warcraft or anything else where they're living in mud huts in the middle of the field somewhere and then in a week they might not be in that same spot they might pick up and move and go somewhere else. Very few orcs have a solid base. So um, with their aggressive style, they actually have a mechanic in them called aggressive where they get to use a bonus action to move their movement. Yep. It's ridiculous. It's basically dash. But uh, dash is a bonus action. But all orcs get this. Um, I like to use them because they're they're big. They're dumb. They're angry. They are fierce. And they are getting your face kind of uh, threats that are very pressing to a party like uh and and very they lack subtlety in every way shape or form they lack subtlety and i uh, for a random foot soldier i climb and uh, i gravitate towards that 
Like they, they seem to be like, if I was a big evil guy, I'd want all of those heavy minions to do my heavy lifting um, while I work on my maniacal plan. Yeah, but what kind of bad guy uses orcs? Because just, hold on, let, let me jump in. When you get a, a demon lord, he's going to use demons as foot soldiers. A devil's going to use devils, right? You're, no matter what you do, your necromancer is going to use undeads. Who's your big, nasty, like, overarching villain that relies on orcs as foot soldiers, as opposed to some of these other mobs and, and races out there? Like, who do you lean on then as your... I, I would go with, like, the, uh, either an orc themselves. Uh, there is an orc in the lore called King Obold Mini Arrow. Yep. He is, he is an orc himself who uh, is chosen by Groomsh to kind of unite a bunch of different orc clans and orc bands together to fight against the dwarves and everything. And he's a single intelligent orc who kind of bands everyone together. Um, so I, I would use that character. I would use the... What tier does he go through? Like uh, uh, What tier is Obald? Oh, uh, they're low tier. They yeah, are definitely low right, tier. Right, yeah, but what, what tier is he? Is he the end of tier one? Well, are you using no. him still up and through tier two? I'm using him probably the intro to tier three. Even is when I'd be using him. Like he he's going to be like that last melee threat you have before you start dealing with you know big spellcasters, planar problems, planar problems. Yeah, yeah. he's he's that guy, uh, and he's the guy that's smart enough to have a bunch of lieutenants. So like, there's going to be orcs below him that you're going to fight in your lower tiers. Yeah, um, that are lieutenants or captains or shamans or whatever it is. That way, Adam, you got next. Uh, I'm going to hold my action because uh, I've got a whole bunch of shit that I want to talk about, and uh, but I have a feeling like I'm just going to bowl over whatever Terry's got prepped. So I'll I'll mop up the minions <laughs> at the up, end. Yeah. Mop up. Okay. Um, I think the reason I like to use orcs in my campaign, I talked to you guys a lot about how I like to do more exploration and storytelling and things, and I feel like orcs, and this is with players that have played for a long time. Forget how scary a six foot four gray green mountain that rides character who looks like a wild boar is, especially when there's fifty of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at lower levels it just becomes even at lower levels it just becomes and an orc appears next. A, a, an orc appears like so. I I like to use them because I like to go much more into storytelling and when it comes to uh, exploration and things, using them for things like children's stories. Why are the parents in the D&D world not telling their kids that if they don't behave, the orcs will come and snatch them from the village yep. and ride off into the mountains with them and they'll never be seen again? Because those parents have only gotten to page 23 of the Monster Manual and they found enough scary and shit. And they have, yeah, they yeah. found enough scary shit. Why are they not more mythical as in that um, people who are not really adventurers or warriors in any way don't really come across orcs that much? They stay away, right? They, yeah, yes, you're not going to see them in a metropolis, right? right? Like they're on the outskirts of civilization. Exactly. You may go your whole life without ever seeing an orc. Or that the orc may be the end of your life. When they're you like a, they're a frontier race, right? It, well, like, it's it's like in in Game of Thrones. For how many seasons were they sitting there going, the White Walkers are coming? And I was like, no, they're not. That's a myth, exactly. right? When they're down in King's Landing, is it, that exactly? And it can that can be you know roaming hordes of orcs could be you know that type of effect. Uh, so I I like to use them more for exploration, storytelling, and then making them scary, making them mythical, kind of folklore, and that in the story, if you see an orc. It should be amazing if you've never seen one before. You may have a lot of different questions about them. You may be what is terrified that big ass goblin? Yeah, <laughs> what is that goblin on steroids? Yeah. Um, so I like to use them more for exploration and storytelling as opposed to yeah, tactically as well. Yeah. Uh, but for just fleshing out your campaign a little bit more. Yeah. All right, I got I got a bunch of answers about why I, why I like orcs, um, but one of the things that you touch on really quickly is they're simple foot soldiers, and you can use them. And I've used them in the past where it's just, I, I need meat mm-hmm. to throw at the party and it just needs to be a bit of a grind. Not super hard. I want them to win. I want them to, to fight eight things. Yeah. Right. And orcs are easy because kobolds are traps and goblins are sneaky. And But orcs are going to run up and hit you. And, and but, then when but, one falls over, the next one's going to run up and hit you. No, but they'll retreat. The gnolls are the bloodthirsty ones I guess that will fight to the last man. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I really like about orcs is that they treat different things differently, which you don't get with a lot of the other mobs and outsiders and outsider, but orcs are inherently racist. And here's, it's right out of the source material here. They hate elves. One of the things that they'll do is they'll run into a, a village and they will often leave the village alive. Um, they'll kill anybody that's strong enough to oppose them 
But then they'll leave it. All the elderly and the sickly and the women and children mm-hmm. will be left behind so that they can come back and raid it again later. Yeah. Except elves. With elves, it is down to the last child. They will murder anything that breathes. And then when it comes to dwarves, they don't even care about killing dwarves. They want their, their homestead. They want to live in the caves and the caverns. And this, yeah. is a, this is a good option for us to move in for a while and make a, a stronghold. Yeah. Because they have different tactics... They're also a lot of fun because they're intelligent enough to leave. They're always moving. They're nomadic, but they're intelligent enough to leave signs. And they're not quite literate, nope. right? So it is like uh, left here, right? Or maybe just a giant scrawled arrow. They, they have this basic uh, symbolism and symbology that they actually use. And it's it's neat because these are the early puzzles that you can drop yep. for, your, for your new players that haven't played before that are... They don't know how to decipher the magical script on the wall. They need to be able to track, right? And they're getting that basic idea out of the way. So they're really good for that early level stuff. When you get into an orc encampment, it gets a lot deeper into it because you have orogs that hold back and and protect the area. We'll get into all that stuff later. Maybe even another episode. But um, there's a different culture... But I love how superstitious they are. Yeah. There's even a part in Volos, it's on page 87, I just happen to have it directly in front of me, where it lists, it's not like a chart, it's just a, like a bunch of bullet points, where it lists a bunch of sample superstitions, and it's a ton of fun. Stuff like gnome bones can ward off diseases if they are worn. Mm, that is true. Right? Now you're going to have them raid a gnomish village because their chieftain is sick. Yeah. You're not getting that out of goblins or kobolds or gnolls. Right? There's no bullywugs that are doing that. So this is interesting to me because they've got bizarre motivations behind their their actions. Yeah. And the other thing that I absolutely love about them, which makes them just so damn t- uh, terrifying, is how prolific they are. They, they are one of the most... Uh, they're one of the most prolific races in the book, right? It's like humans and orcs. Are, and dragons. Those yeah. are the three things that'll just bang whatever moves, mm-hmm. right? And just breed and breed and breed. Which is why you have so many half-orcs, yeah. right? Um, but um, the thing that, that I really like about their large numbers is that they don't turn into a horde very often because the landscape can't support them. Right. There's, if there's a thousand orcs... Where are they getting the food for that? So normally they even fight each other. Yeah. And that's when you start... There's a lot of infighting in orc tribes. Yeah, you get a lot of cool tribal stuff where you can be traveling across the plains and you get stuck with, you know, the red hand to the left and the white eye tribe to the right. And what do you do? Yeah. Like, which which area do you go into? What what band do you try to... Yeah. Try to convince to, to let you through? Because sometimes they will just let you. If you have one character who has an eye patch, yeah, you may be able to get through this okay. Yeah. Right? He may be able to talk his way through it because there are different kinds of orcs. There's lots of different kinds of orcs. And some of them are smart enough to be reasoned with. Uh, within within reason. Within reason. Right. Yeah. The, the other thing is like, uh, and we mentioned this before, they're a very shamanistic race. They're very, uh, they're very, not only superstitious, but spiritual as well. Yeah, they, so have, they like, have their gods. They have their gods, which will kind of, define what their groups are to a certain extent like some groups will worship one god and other groups will worship another god and those two gods don't like each other so they'll fight which is or their rivals so which is fight. very different from all of the other mobs because kobolds well they just worship dragons dragons yeah right goblins have two gods left of their entire pantheon because the rest were all murdered um the by uh, one of them right at least so uh yeah yeah um the gnolls only have the one Right? I, I don't even know if Bullywugs have gods. They probably do. Uh, pond scum? Pond scum? Yeah, yeah. They just worship pond scum. That's mm. that's about right. Yeah. But <laughs> but there's a legit pantheon. You're talking about, like, Oilers fans right now? or That's oh. a hockey oh. joke. Oh. That's a hockey just joke. Just because I'm wearing an Oilers jersey. <laughs> for, everybody, for everybody not in Canada, that was a hockey joke. <laughs> so, I, I just think that there's so much flavor to what an orc is and how they move and yep. the way that they interact with each other. So I, I, I could, I could keep talking, but I'm, I get into specifics about different kinds of orcs and I think we're going to save that for another episode. Yeah. We're going to put that on another episode. So uh, what I want to do right now is we're just going to do a quick little commercial and then we'll uh, start talking a little bit more about the strategy of them. 
would it be to hear your company name on this podcast? Pretty stinking cool. It's a Mimic is ready to take our show to the next level. We want to partner with other awesome businesses to share your brand with our listeners. Please email us at info at itsamimic.com for advertising information. And we're back. So uh, for our second topic of this, I, I really want to cover uh, specifics of combat and strategy with orcs. Uh, not necessarily the mechanical aspects of it, but more the um, flavor aspect of it. The, the What are orcs going to do on, uh, on a um, battlefield? Um, so you mentioned earlier that there's orcs, there's half-orcs, there's orogs. How do those kind of three, those are the three kind of bland normal orcs. There's others in Volos that are more God specific. And like we said, we're going to talk about those in a later episode. But kind of how do those three fit into your average orc raiding party? Um, And for DMs, how to use orcs. And for players, how to push against orcs. So, gentlemen. That's a lot that we're covering. Okay. That's a lot that you're covering. Uh, What, in your opinion, makes orcs... So fierce, and how to use them in your games. Roll the dice. Get. Go, little dice, go. I got a 15. Oh, little dice goes first. Pass me the monster manual. I will never win. So you said that there were orcs and orogs. What would, and there was another one. Half orcs. Half orcs. Uh, I'm going to leave the half orcs to you. And I know, Terry, you're, you probably got a solid handle on the orcs. So I'm going to just yep. cover orogs for a second. Okay. I love orogs because they are... Bigger and meaner and tougher than the average orc. What is an orog? Uh, an orog is a bigger, meaner, and tougher orc. <laughs> do you do you know the the heritage of them? Where they come from? Um, yeah, they're they're based on uh, one of the gods, uh, Luthic. Luthic mm. is is the only female god, and she's um, of of the orcs, and she's all about protecting the horde, and she's the one that actually like oversees the um, tribe itself while everyone else out on a raiding party who stays behind. So is there a racial difference between an Orog and an Orc or is it more of a status or is it a like a, a position? Um, Orog <laughs> is a... They're a little bit smarter. Uh, they have average intelligence. They can honestly communicate but they're tough. They're beefy. It's a difference between an AC 13 and AC, or an AC 18. It's a difference between 15 hit points for an Orc and 42 for an Orog. Jeez. These guys are going to be heavy hitters. They protect the tribe. And they will kill indiscriminately if anything comes nearby. Right? And so... Metal. Do they hold a higher status within the tribe then? Are they... Um, well, I mean, you've you got know, your guys to the bouncers. That's like, oh, you're an elf. I'm going to snap your neck. But all you other orcs can get in. Um, it's... Like, they might command a, a, a warband, but not... Like, you have your war chief. Yeah. Right? You've got your eye of... of I call it grumsh. Like, they're still standing but, watch. They're not above that. That's, yeah, 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 that's their yeah. job. Yeah. But yeah. if you get three or four of these, they're going to wade in, and they're going to they're gonna mess up a party pretty quickly. Yeah. I usually save an Orog as being the big lieutenant yeah. amongst the group. Maybe not the chief, but a lieutenant who is overseeing the guards... If you run a decoy and have your mounts go by in the distance and kick up dust, yeah. and now the entire um, like encampment rides out to take out whoever those travelers are, so that you can sneak in and rescue a half orc slave. Mm-hmm. Like let's say that's your area or that's your your storyline. There are three orogs and twelve orcs left behind, and then children, yeah. right, or or the elderly. So it's the difference between an orc is a CR half. Yeah. And an Orog is a CR2. So they're considered four times as difficult to kill as, as your average Orc. Oh, and I like them because they add a sense of community where there's very little mm-hmm. to the Orcs outside of their religion. So um, I don't see them as being fierce. I see them as being... Um, I think it even says uh, somewhere in the text that they're detached. They're detached killers. They are there to just wipe you out and move on. They're not raging like an orc does. There's no battle cry. This is work. Yeah. You got to open there. They still, they still have the aggressive thing though, right? They still have aggressive. Yep. Um, with, and they, um, but they, it's pretty standard still. They've got their plus six to hit. Their great axe, their javelin. 
They're pretty normal. The other thing, though, is that they've got some basic survival skills. Yep. And their intimidation factor is through the roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they're also, they are the bigger, meaner orcs, so. Yeah. yeah. But but they're not the... Fury. Well, look, well, there are so many of the bigger, meaner orcs that are based on a god that they worship specifically. And these ones aren't. They're just, they just seem to be better orcs. Yeah. Right? They're almost more pure. I would say that other orcs will be able to like listen to them mm-hmm. um, because they are probably. I would run it so that they're closer to what what Grumsh has to, or, or the image of Grumsh than an average orc is, right? Because they are bigger and they're tougher and they're smarter. Well, and and if you think about it, uh, orcs are one of the most like we mentioned are one of the most prolific races. So the bloodline would have got muddied a bit. So these orogs are more of that pure. Well, any time that an orc breeds, it either becomes a half-orc or an orc. And not a half-orc, half-dwarf, or an half, or a half-orc, half-gnome, or... Nope, just half-orc. Yeah. That's it. It's just... Yeah. It, that's that's all it is. So, um, and uh, there's like a percentage that will just come out half-orc. There you go. That That's all you got. Yeah. These guys seem to just be the one out of every thousand is an orog. And is just beefy. And mm-hmm. is ready to... Um, protect and I, I feel like they're more concerned with the longevity of the tribe so while everyone else is making aggressive battle plans they're making defensive plans yeah because a lot of times orcs they move into an area that, that they raid they kill everybody they take over they build a small stronghold they, they take it over for a little while and then they move on to the next thing who's building that stuff who is putting in the defenses it's the orcs but they're being led by the orog saying no 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 put that over there Put yeah. this over here. I want to watch over here, and they're going to be concerned about you know are are the younglings safe? Yeah, right. And uh, that's really interesting because it's different than your standard orc. Yeah, yep. So Absolutely. cool. Uh, who's next? Me, you. I guess. I think just touching on there, Adam, where you said uh, talking about orogs being a little bit different. That's kind of the direction I wanted to go as well because orcs is a huge race within D and D. Typically, are often all the same. Are only interested in the same thing. They have the same thing. Looking at you know procreating, expanding territory. They have the same motivations, but humans are also different. Like we are in the real world here, we're different in Europe compared to America, compared to Asia. For going through history, we've had different motivations, different cultures, things yeah. like that. And I think in my game, that is something that I would want to touch on more about how the bands are very different, about how they have different motivations. They'll be more aggressive towards towards different types of people, uh, but. When it comes to combat, tactically, they yeah they're not the most intelligent creatures, but they are battle seasoned and they understand how each other fights, how the different races fight, what they lean towards. Yeah, I would say you're absolutely right. They're gonna know how to use a catapult. They're gonna yeah. figure it out, but they're never gonna make their own. But they also know the patterns or the habits of the standard strategies that wood elves will use in mm-hmm. their home compared to humans on the plains. And so I feel like it is okay to be very tactical. And strategic with orcs as a DM, even though they're not very intelligent. For example, orcs would know to cause chaos, to use their overwhelming numbers, to use their momentum. They would know that the spellcaster is the dangerous one, so they should dra- so they should move the tanks, draw the tanks away, and then use their movement to get away from the tanks and cause damage to the spellcasters, yeah. disrupting using their chaotic ways. I yeah, you're absolutely right. The the thing you just said, like oh, they they would have different tactics for different things. So yeah. when they see the wood elves you know that they're picking up giant logs and walking forward using them as shields yeah. so they can drop them or use them as battering rams, yeah. right? Like, But they wouldn't bother with that with dwarves because yeah. dwarves aren't shooting arrows. Exactly. With no. that, again, going back to exploration and storytelling, can all become part of that. You're saying picking up giant logs, using them as shields. That's something interesting and different. Or maybe you would observe orcs using different tactics in different areas. So that's how I would use them as the DM, just to flip it how I would... Um, uh, my tactics as a player um, is you need to limit their movement. I would say you need to corral them to use your AOE thing. Yep. So they're they're trying to move. They're trying to draw you. So you need to be aware of corralling them, limiting their movement, trying to get them into one place so you can cause as much damage to as many of them as you can, knowing they're, they're kind of squishy if you do have spellcasters. Um, I would say avoid fighting them in the dark. Orcs would inherently know that they have an advantage in the dark because they have dark vision over humans. Yep. Why are people? Why are orcs not fighting more in the dark? It makes absolute sense. Um, so, 
taking advantage Nighttime raiding parties yeah just do it absolutely yeah. taking advantage of low um, intelligence and wisdom saves as well yes that sounds kind of meta but the humans and the elves in the world know that they're not that smart. They would use that kind of magic. Yeah. So as a player, it makes perfect sense to use those types of strategies. And if you're lower level and you're not sure of what your characters would do against orcs, it's perfectly reasonable to ask the DM, what do I know about orcs? And then yeah. you do your roles from there. Um, all right, I have two questions for you. Two things. Uh, I'm like, okay, you've, you've sparked my inspiration on this. And sure. I'm like, all right, would you include this? <laughs> You're going to let Dan finish coughing or whatever he's doing in the corner? Okay. Um, Can you die quietly, please? I'm trying to speak to the internet. You rude man. Um, the, the internet does not know just how much coughing of mine I remove weekly from this. Like, there's, I have like four or five coughing fits per episode, and editing this has started to concern me a little bit. You need to go to the doctor. Uh, you, you are, you I've been needing to go to the doctor for a variety shaman. of reasons, so we'll just move on from um, that. Okay, so so two things. One, when a war chief or an orog or whoever is leading a raiding party, when they die or are removed from the battlefield for whatever reason, do your other orcs change tactics when they no longer have a leader? They are a shamanistic group. Sorry to just introduce. That's all right. Go for it. They're a shamanistic group. They're a highly spiritual group. They are the if you drop the head of an orc raiding party, they are doing everything in their party uh, in their in their power. To grab that body and bring it back and retreat, they're not leaving their dead behind. They're they're wanting. To, they I mean they might be that whole you know, uh, death in battle is an honorable death. That's going to be an aspect to it as well. But if it's this important figure for their tribe, they're going to try to grab him and run. Well, well, that's the other interesting thing about their religion is that when they die, they believe that their souls, all of them, they go to one of the lower planes where they join. Grumptious infinite battle across the plains. So when you die, you then go to war for the rest of eternity, and that's a great honor. Yeah. Right? And that's what they look forward to. So, also, that speaks to their motivations within <clears throat> battle. They're going to be a little bit more so kamikaze. Now, now you have a, a, a race of creatures who are not afraid of death. So now you're fighting an enemy who is not afraid to die. And that changes everything. Especially when they're chaotic and they move quickly and they move in hordes. Yeah. They, they very much, uh, they're superstitious so that they understand that there's a right and a wrong way to do things in the eyes of their gods. Yeah. However, dying in the name of their gods is not a bad thing. No, no, not at right. all. No. And, and, and so when they die, I'm assuming it's more about doing funeral rites than anything Yeah, no, else, yeah, 100%. Right? Like, they are okay with the death. It's they just want to properly inter, right? Like uh, it's it's the let's set up the spot the pyre and have our proper funeral rites for things. Okay, so let me ask you the other question. Intimidation is a big factor with orcs, right? Yep. And so we're talking about they should be attacking at night and the benefit of, of surprise and all this. Do you think that they're sitting there banging on war drums? Do you think they're screaming out of the darkness and roaring like there's a bunch of humans sitting around a campfire and all of a sudden you hear thump 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 and then. 15 orcs just appear out of nowhere screaming. Is that a tactic? Okay, again, they know what enemy they're fighting. If you were going into a village, which is protected by basic town guard that are probably kind of lazy and it has a lot of uh, elderly women, children, that kind of thing, they would maybe do that to to cause fear and panic because that chaos, makes their life yeah. easier. But they're probably not going to do that against very like disciplined elven soldiers who are like, oh, they're making noise. You know, like, they, yeah. they know yeah. it's not going to work. Yeah. yeah, all right. I'm, I'm reminded of the scene in Game of Thrones where the the siege of Casterly Rock. Yeah. Like, uh, where Jamie and Braun are standing there and you hear the, the screamers from the horizon. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, the a good, like, minute of just hearing the screaming and everyone going, uh, this is not going to go well. Yeah. See, that, that screams gnolls to me more than orcs. Right, the when you hear the oh the hyena laugh. laughing, yeah, 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 right, and the and the screaming and even war drums could be knolls. Yeah, whereas I figure that with orcs, it's it's done on purpose. It's a tactic. Yeah. Whereas with hyenas, they're just it's a cacophony of of knolls. Yeah, yeah. Gnolls, right? yeah, that's kind of how they communicate as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, for a player, what I would recommend uh, is if you are in a campaign where there's a lot of orcs and there's a lot of presence of orcs. Uh, Use the superstitions and the religion against them. Um, you are going to be uh, finding out some way to kind of uh, draw and encourage that natural infighting that orcs have amongst themselves. Um, 
and use that to make your encounters easier. Use that to kind of pit your orcs against each other because they're going to be so numerous. The best way to take them out is to divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. Yeah. So so really really pursue that. Um, find out what these little idiosyncrasies are between the tribes and exploit them. And that's kind of that's going to be the best push you have. Don't underestimate an orc. Never underestimate a orc. They're they're not just the big dumb meathead. They they will think tactically as we've discussed and and, and come back at you. So um, that that's what I got. Anything else we want to talk to on that point, there, boys? Um, you you mentioned some of the tactics, Terry, and I want to point out that one of the strongest things about an orc is the ability to move and then also move as a bonus action. Yeah. They can dash like a rogue, mm-hmm. right? So the idea is that they can still get their attacks in, which means they are coming across that battlefield fast. So when you're a player, Dan, you're sitting there, how do you yeah. get up against orcs? You need to throw some difficult terrain down real quick, mm-hmm. and that's going to lower their effectiveness, especially if some of them fail and some of them don't. They're saves, and so you're only dealing with two or three at a time. Yeah. When you get surrounded by a horde, that's when this stuff gets scary, especially in 5th Ed, where the math is flat and a level a CR3 uh, monster can do as much damage as a CR18 in some circumstances. Yeah. So it, it can be pretty scary, especially with the action economy. That's what I was saying about tactics with regards to draw the tanks to you as a DM, draw, try and pull them away from the spellcasters, bait them. Players get excited. They want to do things. They see the enemy. They go in. Paladin, Barbarian, Fighter all come forwards. They get one reaction each, but you've got 10, 12, 15 orcs that now charge the spellcaster. By the way, they're aggressive, so they can move their full movement on a bonus action. So they're getting there first. Maybe two or three of them get hit. Maybe two or three of them die. But that horde mentality, that action economy is now surrounding your spellcaster. So, yeah, that that's fantastic. That's why I would do it. I mean, uh, okay, so hold on. As, a, as you're sitting here going, I'm going to make a player that is going to be built... To wipe out an orc. Mm-hmm. What is the character? What class? What subclass for a moment are you looking at to say, you know what, I was gonna do maximum damage against an orc? We, I mean we could do we can do spellcasters, right? Area yeah. of effect. Yeah, oh yeah. Spellcasters. Yeah. Fireballs are gonna work real well. Yeah, ranges with favorite enemy. Like yeah, I mean there's ways you can like you can I, cater specifically to one type of I, enemy. Well, I, I like to think go fire with fire. Like you you're up against orcs. Roll that barbarian, my friend. Yeah. Of course, that's your answer. No one is surprised <laughs> if that is your answer. Well, no, they're they're gonna get up in your face. That's what you want as a barbarian. Like play towards that strength a bit and counter it with your own thing. Be uh, a monk. I would sooner go champion fighter. Or or well, of course you would. Yeah. But like, uh, I w- I if you go thinking, a monk, I was and like a monk or rogue because you get that movement bonus as well. Yeah, monk, and then yeah. can you just imagine like a monk walking up and flicking an orc in the middle of the forehead and stunning them? Like, it, it, it's this great way to fight against that mobility is just remove the movement. The, the other thing, too, is that orcs are one of the handful of, of common creatures that you think of with D&D that only have one attack around. Mm-hmm. A lot of the beefier kinds of orcs get multi-attack, yep. but your standard orc only gets one. So when you walk in with your monk, you're still you're able to go toe-to-toe with this thing. You're able to catch up. You're able to hit more often. And you're able to do uh, pretty comparable damage. Yeah. And if and if you want if you want the laughs, pull their weapon away from them and watch an orc suffer. <laughs> but I would say that a paladin's not something I'm looking forward to with orcs. You're, you're soaking up the attacks, mm-hmm. but especially low level, level four and, and below, you're just go you're just an orc on the field with better AC. Yeah. Right. You're just, you're just trading blow for blow. Is there anything else that you think is weak? Good AC only lasts so long when you're going against the mob. It's yeah. just math. Yeah. Okay. A, first on the second warlock. third. Yeah, the, it's just the D6 get that a sorcerer gets is in trouble, right? Like, so your low-level players that are going up, because it's a low-level monster, all the mobs are, you got to watch out for some of them, like the paladin. Anything else that's particularly weak? I think a bard's in trouble. Uh, I think a glamour bard is particularly not. When you're going up against their saves, it depends. Because a glamour bard goes there and just, like, enthralls them all or enthralls a large section of them. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have that ability at level two? You have it at level three. Well, okay, so so again, well, not like, but that's when you are a glamour bard and not just a bard. Right, 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 right. right. So I think, I mean, if I thought, sat down, thought about it tactically, you know, you can always find a way to make something work. But I think rogues are probably not going to be great. Great, they're squishy. Yeah, they have the, their sneak. And there's a lot of open. They only tactics. get one attack. 
They're squishy. But everything's only going to have one attack, and everything is everything has mm-hmm. a D8 except for four, mm-hmm. right? So, well, yeah, you're so right. they're about as squishy as your cleric at level two. Yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, because you haven't had your con modifiers start to stack over and over and over again. Yeah. So like. Uh, these guys are a real problem for low-level parties, and that's what we're going to see for a lot of mobs. Yeah, um, I, I I tend to run orcs uh, as a DM. I tend to run them at like when the party's closer to that level four to eight level, and when they're the one to three, they're fighting goblins and kobolds. Like I'm not throwing uh, I'm throwing CR quarters at a party that's below third level, not a CR half, uh, or especially not a horde of CR half, especially orcs themselves because. There's never one orc. There's always six. Until or, he's the last one standing. Until he's the last one standing. And then, I mean, still watch out. He's still a threat. But, like, you never come into an encounter of orcs where it's just one orc. If it is one orc and that's the start of the encounter, you are in for a world of hurt. Because you're probably going to come up against one of these ones that is the chosen of these deities that have these variety of issues. Like... Again, we'll talk about them in a later episode. But like it, it, orcs themselves are just this fantastic blend that you could use. Where nine times out of ten, they're going to be a army of them that you have to fight. So if if uh, we're all done on this one, I just want to do a quick shout out to my boy Cameron at D and D Coalition. Uh, that's D and D dot Coalition. Um, he reached out to me a few weeks ago. We had a good talk about life and, uh, lovely red beardedness and all of these other things. Adam? That... No, 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 no. Adam? This is... That's my porn name. <laughs> lovely red beardedness? Goddamn right. beardedness? Your lovely red beardedness? Yeah, absolutely. I'm super sexy single mom. We've been talking for weeks. Uh, Dan, we'll see you later. Terry and I have got <laughs> no, 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 a no, hotel to get to. <laughs> So so thanks for using my shout out to DD Coalition to bring that little <laughs> revelation out. But uh, that, is up that was not up. little. Uh, anyway, so uh, Cameron's a great dude. Uh, he is trying to really encourage the DD community and bring us all together and all of us content creators, whether we be artists or Etsy stores or live plays or whatever we are doing here. Um, We're hooking up, apparently. Apparently. Mm. Well, two of the three of us. I mean, what am I supposed to you, do? Watch? You play your cards right. Then maybe a little <laughs> something, something. Uh Anyway, so Cameron, D&D uh, Coalition. Uh, follow him on, on Instagram. Send him some love. He's a great guy. Um, now, gentlemen, we've talked about their culture. We've talked about how they run in the field. Now, how, they, how a party will see them and be able to... Um, fight them and DM tactics to throw them at your party. You got something interesting, an encounter that you could put together that really uses orcs in all of their facets in a very unique and uh, interesting way. So grab your dice. Let's do it. A nat 20. Nicely done. What did I do? I still didn't win, did I? No, I got last. I don't even want to check anymore. <laughs> Whatever. So, oh, gentlemen. So, Adam, what you got for us? All right. So, the very first thing that I want to talk about is, um, as far as an encounter goes, you should be looking at, at orcs not as a one-off encounter, but as a constant threat, in my opinion, that's going to last you multiple levels. When someone steals, when the orcs have come in and they've stolen um, all of the nuns out of the nunnery, and you're like, uh-oh, have to go get them nuns back. You need to go chase them down across the plains. I, right? I, I hold I, on, hold on. It should not be then you know you travel overnight and you find them and you rescue them all. They're taking and they're running, right? Whatever it is that they've stolen, whether it's a magic item or it's a hostage, whatever it is, it should be a pain in the ass to go get them back. And getting in is half the problem. Then you got to get out. Yeah. Right. And so you should start thinking about um, orcs. Like, uh, with the different tactics as far as you have scouts, and you then you have sentries, and then you have um, raiding parties, mm-hmm. and now you're in orc territory. And so there are uh, outposts, and there are, um, uh, there's a little group of ogres that the orcs will call on for help in, in large skirmishes, and you just happen to come upon this, this den of ogres. And it should be getting progressively worse and scarier as you go 
because you're also leveling, right? Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. and you're getting more and more experience with the orcs. You maybe you're trying to blend in with them, or you're going under cover of night, whatever it is. You, when you get your thing, they need to be blowing horns because you got your MacGuffin, and they know you're there, and they're bringing the horde. Yeah. And now it's a chase. Now you're getting out of there, and you're not fighting the the three little orcs. You're going up against the the scary ones out of Volos or yeah. the uh, Ogrelons, which are the half ogres, um, or the, uh, the there's, they've got Tanarucks as well, yep. which, which we didn't talk about. They're half orc, half demon. They're freaking Ooh. frightening. They're like absolutely terrifying, and I absolutely love them because they're they're beyond anything that you would think is is normal for orcs, um, and you need to be running into these things. If they're so shamanistic and superstitious, then all of a sudden they should be praying yep. to raise one of these things to get revenge and get their shit back, right? This is how I'd be using orcs. It would be a, a across the campaign. It, look at that. Is that it right there? That's it. Oh, that's terrifying. That thing is a monster. It, he's, it looks like a barb devil mixed with a minotaur mixed yeah. with an orc. But he's, he's demonic. He's magic resistant. And he's got... Like, unbridled mm. fury as a reaction. What? Yeah, which, uh, in response to being hit by a melee attack, he can make a melee attack with advantage against the attacker. So he's resistant to magic, but he hits you back if you hit him melee. Yeah, and he's got 10d8 <laughs> plus 50 hit points. Okay. This guy's gonna just... Like, you, suddenly your level 5 party is in real trouble. Especially oh, yeah. when they're being chased, and this thing pops up in front of them. Yeah. Right? This is what we should be talking about when we're talking about orcs. It's not just... Three orcs ran into the tavern and killed the barkeep and ran away. Yeah, you can use them that way, but there is a greater overall picture that we could be using mm-hmm. here. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Terry, for me, well, you went combat style encounter. Yeah. So I'll, I'm going to change. I'll go more social style encounter. Now, you guys know that I like a good bit of heartache in my game. I like to get emotionally beaten up and cry into my pillow after the D&D game is over. And oh, I, often in the middle of the D&D game often, as well. Yeah, often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. often. Um, I want to explore the idea of the cultural differences again and how we, the players in the game and the humans and the elves and the dwarves all think that they know what orcs are like mm. i like the idea of a social encounter where you maybe find yourself for whatever reason you have to go and reason with an orc war chief or something find yourself in their encampment and you start to see first of all cultural parallels um because orcs like to expand their territory sort of humans you might have noticed in the mm-hmm. world they blindly follow god no, specifically the british you're thinking of Terry. yeah that's right oh sorry when i said humans i meant british <laughs> <laughs> blindly following gods and we also, both sides have a distrust of what is different. So I, I, I want to see those parallels in, the, in a social encounter. Imagine going through a, a war camp and um, what are, they, are the orc children scared of you? You're different. What are their parents telling you about them? What, what did they remember about last, the last time the elves came and mm. killed them all and yeah. killed their grandparents? Um, what does it look like? How do the orcs act when they're tending to their wounded? Are they crying because their, their um, family was hurt or whatever in the last battle? And I like to play on emotions in games, and so I want to see that so that players don't just think of them as mindless beasts that just come in, that, that you're touching on those culturals and those those, those emotions. What is the name of this kid's movie? came out like 10, 12 years ago. You guys probably won't know this. The internet will be like, oh, it's this. Like, hit us with the comments when you figure this out. It's like, it's called like Planet Planet 3 or, or it's something like that mm. where it is a human that ends up going to Mars and in the, oh, the space, cartoon? Yeah, it's, it's animated. It's, it's like uh, Planet 51. As an Area 51. Is that what it is? Oh, okay. and, yeah, yeah. And, and he runs around and it's a human and it's like the Martian society and the kids are terrified of him and, and the government's like, oh my God, it's an alien. Right? And so it flips the whole thing on its, yeah. on its head. Exactly. That's what you're talking about. Right. Here, right? So now yeah. next time you come into what may potentially be a combat encounter, do you have empathy or sympathy for these orcs now? Are you looking at it a little bit differently? When... You hear the DM say, oh, they say something in Orcish. What are they saying? Is the war chief saying, I don't want to do this, but we have to defeat the kids? Something like that. Touch on their emotions. One, Hurt them. One of, <laughs> one of my favorite first um, social encounters that I ever did was, um, was after we killed the orcs, we found the orc babies in a dry riverbed. What do you do? Mm-hmm. 
you got orc babies. Yes. And we've just murder hoboed our way through the last five or six sessions because we're new players. And now it's like, do you murder the babies? And everyone like looked at each other and it split the party. Yeah. People were like, yeah, man, they're orcs. And other people were like, no, man, they're babies. That's D and D. That's yep. a, that's, a, that's, a that's puzzle. what you're talking about. That's right? a puzzle. You know, we talk about interesting puzzles. There's your puzzle. Go. Yeah. Yep. Do you kill the Re- babies? Yeah. And and you, it's also kind of a guide for your. It, it's a really good way to bring uh, that inter-party discussion that's yep. finally needing to have done. If you've been murder hoboing your way through five levels, all of a sudden you're got this actually like humanizing moral decision yep. to throw at your party. I It's one of my favorite moments in any sort of new D&D. I have a lot of groups that I start to encourage new people to play. Um, and I'll throw in one of these little like moral questions at them and the party just stops dead and everyone looks at each other and goes, oh, what th- this is what does it this this can happen in yeah. this game it's not just killing orcs and dragons and stuff yeah okay but you know three of the four people around the table are freaking out and then you have your your tiefling necromancer that just picks up a baby and takes a bite yeah right yeah like, and, and that well, is also D&D. and that's the point <laughs> <laughs> but but you as a dm should be taking notes on how your players are reacting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that. at that that's point you go okay steven we need to have a discussion but that's a later tool for you as a dm to know how you're going to maneuver your campaign later on, to know how people are going to react to things by putting those challenges, those those adversities in front of them, it just better prepares you later on for the game. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. just a tool. Uh, so for me, speaking um, of tools, yeah, yeah. <laughs> speaking of tools, <laughs> yay, thanks, Adam. Uh, so Adam, you had your combat encounter. Terry, you had your social one. I actually planned a more exploration focused one. Mm-hmm. I mentioned how they're tribal. You've mentioned how they'll grab the stuff and run. So have a series of uh, sessions where your party is chasing down this orc tribe from its old campsite from one to another to another through the woods. Can I just, as a caveat here, say... Don't just rely on your ranger with survival checks. No, no, no. There's got to be other ways to do this. Use, use skill challenges. Uh, use uh, uh, orienteering skills. Like you and I were in Boy Scouts when, uh, and and you were a soldier. Like you, you, you are trained to look for signs in the woods of like. But that's a survival check. Like. That is a survival well, check it, over and over again. It's yes, but you could also do other things with that. You could have look. Orcs can be tortured if you get one, yep. right? Or at least interrogated. Yeah, and yep. then you can heal them and do it again. You, you do scare do, me. Yeah, you know what? what? You terrify what? me. I that's don't think legit... we're going to the motel with you. After that's this. a legit. <laughs> no, it's just gonna be me and Adam, and we're that's just gonna cuddle. Tech. That's you it. Guys don't do that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I would have the party chase down the orcs. Have have like uh, orc style traps, not like normal kobold like a pit with uh, whatnot in it. But like have logs swinging at the party. Like they know they're being that's, pursued. That's still kobolds to me. Uh, well, it, but orcs are smart enough to set traps along the way as well if they know that they're being tracked. Have parties try to um, harry and slow the party down so that the main body of this could get away. Yeah, I was going to say, an orc trap to me is um, the orcs waiting for you to pass through them on a narrow road mm-hmm. and they're popping up behind boulders and attacking from both sides. Using yeah, the environment. Right, like yeah. it's, they're not so much building traps as we are the trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, yeah. and that's... Um, in terms of like later game with orcs, like we've said that they kind of get to maybe top end of like tier three, or sorry, bottom end of tier three, top end of tier two. Yep. How do, how do you progress them further? How are they a threat to your level 18 party? Oh, you can do anything with environment. So yeah. fighting orcs on a forest path or in an open plain is very different to fighting orcs when your motivation on both sides is survival on the edge of a mountain in the middle of a snowstorm in avalanche season. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, see, whenever I think of user environment, I always go to edge of a volcano. Okay, it doesn't matter who you are. If these things have limbs, can grapple, and are zealots, you are going in the lava. Yeah. Yep. That's it. It doesn't matter what your AC is. It matters now on your dice. Right, and that's damn frightening. And that's the flat math of, of fifth ed that I absolutely love. Yeah. Um, the other way that I would I keep them is I would uh, to keep them scary at high levels. 
is I would use the old trick from 4th Ed and make the minions. Now, I don't know if we've ever spoken about this on the podcast, but I run this every once in a while in my own campaign. I don't know if you guys have picked this up yet. A minion is simply the exact same creature, but you are so proficient at killing them, they should pose no real threat, so they only have a single hit point. Hmm. So they're still going to run forward and they're going to hit you with their multi-attack. They're still going to get their plus 8 to hit or whatever it is that this creature has. But I've dropped 15 of them now and this is one hit kills. Can you kill them faster than they can hit you? And this is a horde. This is the mob, right? That they are running at you. And I don't care if you're level 18. If you are surrounded on all 8 sides, yeah. you are and, you're and in trouble. Yeah. You're, you're in trouble. And the only thing I need to do to beef them up is give them multi-attack. Right? And now that's 16 hits coming at you. Your AC may be 20. I will hit you three times. And I'm still doing 1d12. Sure, I'm chipping away at your 130 hit points. But if I do this time after time after time, and everyone that you knock down, another one steps forward and takes his place. Mm -hmm. You're in trouble. Right? And so this is where you've got to start thinking about your reverse gravity spells. Yes. Right? Or your your earthquake, your meteors. Right? This is where your big level 7, 8 spells are going to come into play to wipe a battlefield. As much as you want to use it on the death tyrant, and that's going to be satisfying, nothing makes a wizard happier than wiping a battlefield clean. Oh. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm playing like a walking ballista of a gnome right now in, in the other campaign, and the idea of just being able to just, okay, I off I unload on this incoming wave and just see things die as I, like, get my five attacks around. Or Fighters whatever. are fun for that. Yeah. 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 Like, it, that, that is that is an itch I like to scratch. But, um, but sorry, um, it's just using the, the minion thing from 4th Ed is so easy I? to do. Yeah. And it changes everything. And you can still have your boss monster with... With 160 hit points over there and your spellcasters over there. But these guys are filling in the blanks. They're rounding out the battle. And they're keeping things deadly without actually being deadly. It's yeah. only deadly if your players get dumb. Yeah. Also, there are more ways to hurt people than just... More ways to hurt play. I'm a sociopath, by the way. More ways to hurt your players than just killing them. So you guys can be... You know, players can be going along in their convoy with their party... Those orcs don't necessarily need to try and fight that level 15 party of people, but I might have 12 orcs that all throw javelins at that level 3 Kenku 9-year-old child. Yeah. And that will hurt them. Yep. Yep. Or, uh, even simpler than that, if they don't have snaps with them, if, yeah. uh, we have a Kenku named Snaps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but <laughs> We love him. Yeah. If they, if they don't have that character with them, uh, I bet they've got an emotional uh, connection to mounts. Yep. Yep. Right? And orcs steal and <laughs> raid, right? So it, it should be kill the mount, steal the stuff, run. Yep. yep. Right? Oh, I'm not wearing my armor because I'm asleep, which means I'm just going to fight them without my armor. Yep. My AC is only going to be 14. And they orc- got your armor, bud. And your, yeah. orcs, your orcs are attacking at night because they're smart enough to know that, that yep. they have dark vision and you're a human or, who's now not even, wearing armor. Or doesn't... even they have drawn you out of the city and now they're sneaking into this walled compound and they are assassinating yep. people that are important to you that you think are safe. Yes, so the point being, what I guess what we're trying to make is that just because you got past a certain level doesn't mean orcs don't exist in the world anymore unless you killed them all like we did in ours. Um, that They're still there it's and they true. can still yeah. cause havoc and they can still hurt you in different mm. ways. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So uh, if we are all done, what, what are we takeaways? I got one final thought on this, okay. just, just as a kind of piece of trivia for everybody. Um, the original first edition orcs looked like pigmen. Yeah, they were. They had hog faces yep. with like the the pig snout, and uh, that still kind of gets held over. Where they will be described as having you know uh, scrunched pigish boorish features with the tusks coming up from the lower jaw and whatnot. Uh, they're just teeth, but they're they're tusks. Like yeah, let's be yeah. honest here. It's interesting that still in the flavor in fifth edition, it says they will ally with ogres and uh, ogrelons and werebores. Specifically, it says werebores, mm-hmm. which is interesting to me that there's still that throwback to their piggish origins. Yeah. So, I guess, yeah. I, yeah, I thought that would be, if you're going to have orcs that are um, going to ride things and you want to mix it up from your wargs, have them ride dire boars. Yep. Yeah. Right? Have them raise pigs. Like, I would, I'd throw a pig flavor on it the same way there's a hyena flavor on Knowles. That's just if you wanted to give your, yeah. your experienced players something different. Yeah, boar kind of flavor. I like the idea 
of doing because I know I mentioned this before. You know, we talk about dreamscapes and like and maybe even like a one shot or something you could do. Do it from the point of view of the orcs. You're trying to defend your own encampment, and in your encampment, there's children, there's there's pregnant women, there's elderly. Uh, you know, and and give them a real emotional connection. Can you stop giving him ideas? No, no, no. Hold on. No, this is cool because then it's like it's like the shadow that moves between tents, which is just the rogue. Yeah. Right. But he hits you, and when he hits you, you bleed and die. Yeah. Right. Like, can you can you imagine the the superstitious side of mm-hmm. of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I when I play orcs, when I run orcs, I really lean heavily into the superstitious. Like, there's always that one old matronly like shaman character who, when she walks, you could hear the bones rattling. Right, like that are those the character. gnome bones that she's wearing? Oh, no, gnome bones—they're everything bones, and there's ears and stuff hanging from their necks as well. Like these things, and she is that diviner character. She's like borderline hag um, kind character who is uh, the the orcs fear, but also respect her deeply. Mm. Sounds and, like, sexy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would use that as often as possible and lean so heavily into that. That's how I would up the challenge rating of them as well. Is if you got a character who's that in tune with some sort of deific or uh, almost abyssal power, like uh, where hags get the power from, or, or like well, hags, hags have a weird powers. magic. It's they a have different. a weird magic, but if you play that and infuse that into your orc matrons, you could go miles with this tribal feel with them. It's absolutely powerful and fantastic, and you could really play into the horror of the game. Yeah. Horror my of the part. game. Yeah, I've noticed you're doing that a little bit better. Yeah. Now. I've, I've learned my lesson. I have it, to though. emotionally paying for it. I'm oh, yeah. emotionally paying for it. Okay. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, I also like the idea of having a, a shaman involved with the orcs that can heal them. Shaman. Shaman. Oh. Um, that uh, that can heal them up. Shaman. Right, because these guys are. I mean, they're not real meaty. They got 15 hit points. But if you got to knock that 15 down over and over and over again, yeah, that that's a problem, right? Yeah. So. That's another way of just making your encounter. I mean, you don't want to just last longer, but suddenly that area of effect spell, their only level three fireball has been blown. And they're like, okay, we did it. And then they stand back up, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, half orcs get that orc ferocity thing. It comes from something, right? Or orc tenacity. That's what it is. Orcish tenacity where they, if you hit zero hit points, you're getting back up. Orcs have that too. So, anyways, that has been our first feature on uh, a horde mob mentality of monster. Um, I have been Dan. You have been Adam. You have been Terry. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa! I thought I was Terry. No, no, sorry. Pip, no. pip, chibio. Did I do it? Sexy red dead redemption. Nobody did. Sexy red redemption. I'm changing my porn name. <laughs> uh, thanks again for tuning in, guys. Um, any last little things, takeaways? No? Yeah. No. No? Okay. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for tuning in, guys. This has been It's a Mimic. Let's hit that outro music. Thank you for listening to It's a Mimic. Check us out online at itsamimic.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have questions you would like answered by the guys on the show? Send them an email to itsamimic at gmail.com. Tune in every Tuesday for more. Hello world, Dan and Adam have left. It's your Uncle Terry here. Crack open that bottle of whiskey that your dad hides in the back of the cupboard. And later on when we're finished, you're going to top it up with water. (laughs) I need you to take a match and I'm going to teach you how to reseal the seal so that nobody knows you did it. Oh, they're back. Teaching life lessons, Terry? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know what just happened, but I'm I'm frightened of it. (laughs)